0: Your cows have to eat, but what they eat could be the difference in what makes your ranch
1: profitable. You know, I go to these seminars, it's all about inputs, inputs, inputs. Cal needs grass and water.
0: Feed costs often consume. A big portion of input costs in our ranches, holding many back from being very profitable. And today we'll be visiting with two ranching operations about how they manage with year-around grazing. Yes, that means little to no hay. Vance Mitchell from Lolita, Texas, will be on to talk from the southern and wetter climate perspective. And then after that, Cameron and Kellen Smith, brothers that manage their family's ranching operation, Daily Livestock in northern Wyoming, with their perspective on the colder and Snowier climate. So, we're living off the,
2: the back fat of our cow right now, and, and her body condition is dropping during the winter, and we're okay with
0: that. Tune in today to find out about how they are running their ranches without feeding hay on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. here to another episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We're glad to have you joining us here on our program today. If you're listening on the radio, we thank you for tuning in. Hope you can stay with us through the entire show. And if you've downloaded it on your podcast provider, thank you for taking the time to do that. By the way, uh, that is a pretty simple way. If you hear something and you want to go back and listen to it again, uh, all of the pretty much any major podcast and even minor podcast sites that are out there, have the Working Ranch Radio Show that you can get to it or you can go directly to the site at workingranchradio.com. now i encourage you if you hear something today you like or or maybe some comments or questions something that might uh, uh, come up in your mind please feel free to let us know my email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com and uh, be sure to click the thumbs up or maybe the thumbs down if you don't like it we encourage open and honest conversation back and forth and i I think today's show is going to be something that for some folks um I, i think it's coming at a point in time where with the hay costs that we have seen so uh, soaring so high the last couple of years due to the drought situation, the many folks do look at this, Are, are is, is looking at this hay option that we are feeding our cows. Is there another way around that? And I know there's a lot of traditional elements that are out there when it comes to looking at moving away from feeding livestock. Uh, through those winter months and how you can get around that that might be uh knocking on the door of sensitivity uh people may not really be open to that and understand that but all i ask right now for this week's show you keep an open ear keep an open mind with our topic here today because i think if you're really in a position where you're needing to make some changes in terms of making your ranching operation more profitable then i think today's show is going to be something you might want to join in today vance mitchell mitchell cattle company uh he and his brother his mother, uh, ranch out of Lolita, Texas. He will be joining us uh, to talk a little bit about how they uh, go on year-round grazing without feeding hay. He's going to represent for those folks that are in the southern and wetter climates. He's going to talk about it from his perspective. And then we're going to have on Cameron and Kellen Smith. They operate their family's ranch in daily, uh, with daily livestock out of Gillette, Wyoming. That's in northern Wyoming. And, you know, here's just a little side note, and I'm just going to throw this out there for your consideration, is that both of these ranch ranches are i believe about five at least five generation families so if we're looking at keeping the sustainability and long-term ranching in your family's uh, ranch might be something to be considering in this on today's topic so today our topic we're going to be talking with these folks about how they are running their ranching operations without feeding hay quick thank you to our sponsors of this segment here today the American Simmental Association and we are right in the middle of bull buying season and one of the largest growth in bull breed types is bulls with Sim genetics and you know why because heterosis works, which is why with Cementol, it's more per head period. Find out more at cementol.org. Well, as we head to break here, just a reminder, I mentioned this last week, Chimney Rock Cattle Company having their sale there out of Concord, Arkansas. That sale's coming up March 28th. They'll be selling 160 head of Brangus and ultra black bulls. Also with that 200 head of commercial females. Now these cattle, they are bred to be adaptive to multiple environments, resilient to heat, consistent quality, and dose disposition now if you want to find out more you can also uh get a catalog online go to the website at geneplusbrangus.com. again that's geneplusbrangus.com. chimney rock cattle company their sale coming up on march 28th well stay with us we're going to take a break here and when we come back we're going to get into our future topic talking with a couple of different ranching families about how they manage their ranches without feeding hay we'll be back on the working ranch radio show after this Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus sired calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus sired steer calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sired groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low risk, high potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. As we head into our featured topic and as we talked about at the top of the program, we are talking on year-round grazing. And I've got a couple different sets of folks joining us here today to talk about it. Uh, I felt it was important when we look at this particular topic that we uh, visit with somebody that's doing it more in the northern climate that has to deal with cold, snow, harsher temperatures, as well as somebody that does it uh, in more of the southern climate. And I hope that the information that we talk about today will if you're kind of somewhere in the middle in there that there will be some nuggets of information in there that you can pull out if it is something you can are considering but joining us now i'm pleased to have mr vance mitchell with mitchell cattle company he's out of lolita texas uh, and a sixth generation family ranch uh, back in 1876 the land you guys are on vance is where you guys started at i appreciate you joining us here on the working ranch radio show
1: no, nah, Justin, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hope I can answer your questions correctly. Oh, you bet.
0: And, you know, as you and I were talking before the break, not very often do I interview or even talk to folks that are looking at six generations on the family ranch. And you've talked about you've even got kids uh, and grandkids coming up behind. So what a, a tremendous heritage there.
1: Yep. We One of our primary goals here is to maintain, keep it, keep it going, because uh, our country's getting pretty ate up with industry and, and urban civilization, mm-hmm. and, and we hope to keep it going. So mm-hmm. that's a goal for my mother, my brother, and I.
0: You bet, Vance. I want to a little bit. I want to be able to talk about some of the things you have done as you guys have moved into year-round grazing. But I first think we need to go back a bit and talk about a little bit how you how you were uh previous to this um and we can get into how many years you've been you've been doing year-round grazing some of the things that you've done as you've migrated that direction but first give us a little background of maybe what it would have looked like years ago when you were feeding hay
1: well gosh back back at that time we'd probably buy two or three round bales or at least two round bales per cow of course we were calving in january and february and that kind of thing uh in in changing the production cycle had more to do with it than than just going to year-round grazing. Uh my dad, my grandfather and my dad, old-time ranches, no fences, just the cows were out, they'd gather them up two or three times a year, take the work the calves, strip some calves off, sell some stuff like that, and no really control over production or the grass or the resource, uh, just wide open. We built our first electric fence in 1983 and started dividing stuff up. So we've been almost 40 years doing this. We got got more intensive in 92 with a change of the farm program because we converted some crop acreage into ranch land. About every 10 years, we've increased our paddocks. And we went through a big process about five years ago. Uh, We're probably up to about 100 paddocks over the whole ranch. We move every day. And doing that process, plus uh, allowing adequate rest or good grazing practice on uh, with enough herd effect, uh, enough herd density, and changing our production cycle to more of a summer calving, fall breeding type situation that matches our deer and the wildlife here. Has allowed us just to get rid of these kind of inputs and this substitute feeding that we that we used to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Vance, I want you to talk a little bit more about that, because when it comes to folks looking at this, and I believe this topic is probably pretty imperative right now when we've seen hay stocks at the lowest numbers across the country that we've seen in years. Uh, Many parts of the country have experienced high, heavy drought. In fact, as you and I were talking before, central Texas, uh, northern or south central plains still in a dry, dry condition and hay stocks are low hay prices are way high and so from a standpoint of of how do we get through this without having i mean it's hard to afford 200 hundred dollar ton hay into these cows so from from your standpoint on an enterprise mix you talked about some production cycles that you all changed up i want you to go into a little bit more of that because uh that really was one of the things you believe is probably pretty critical if somebody is considering this
1: yeah, like I said we changed our breeding season. We went from a spring breeding, winter calving to a fall breeding, summer calving. That allows us uh to to have calves in the summertime. It allows us to put our bulls out when it gets cooler. You know, uh weather has a bigger effect on a, a semen production than it does on calves. Calf falls out of a cow at 102 degrees and hits the ground at 95 degrees, thinks it's fallen into an incubator. So it doesn't (laughs) matter, you know, especially if the cattle fit the environment. The key is the cattle have to fit the environment. Mm -hmm. But by doing that, it allows us to go into big grass with these pairs, with these young pairs and get plenty of feed into them. The cows go through the winter with, uh, with the calves at their side, the other key to our production deal is we're getting ready to wean now, and so our spring grasses are coming up that are higher high quality for these calves, so we'll wean our calves onto this grass and stalker them here ourselves at Added and Enterprise, so we're not just cow-calf, but we're also stalker. Mm-hmm. If we get into later spring and it starts to get in dry, we can flip those calves out of here and just hang on to our cows, so we went through a process of determining what we could run on a ranch year in year out drought dry wet whatever and use that number of cows as a static enterprise mm-hmm. that's the cows the herd that we keep here all the time everything is extra beyond that and then we bring our calves in on top of that if we really get a lot of grass growing and we can see some opportunity we'll go buy some light heifers and raise heifers some that will go into our herd some will get sold but it's a matter of matching the production to the grass is what it is. That's the key, I think.
0: Yeah. And as you just said that, I was about to ask a question about that because because I think that's the key. You're down in Lolita, Texas, South Texas, is a very wet climate. And as we begin to move north into different areas, maybe the, the wetness of that climate can change a little bit. But what you just said there is matching up your production cycle with your grass. So maybe you're in Kansas, maybe not as cold as you are up in the northern part of the country. And we're going to hear later on from a, a ranch up in the northern part of the country about how they handle it as they're dealing with snow. Uh, very I want to go now to infrastructure development, because I think in part of this, there's a, there's a man, you have to manage your grass then. I think that's the part that if you're going to year round graze, we got to have that grass available. You've already done, changed up your production cycle, but from an other infrastructure like water and fencing, talk about what you did there.
1: Okay. Water is the most important factor. You don't have water, you can't do anything else. So we planned our water infrastructure where we needed it and how far we wanted cows to have to go away from water. Once a water was planted with adequate volumes, then we started looking at, well, what is our average rest, okay? And our average rest in this country is about 45 days or less, 35 days in some cases. In some else where it's drier, it maybe 60 or longer. So with our average rest about then, we knew we needed to have at least that many packets to have the amount of rest we needed. We have gone in and done all of our internal fences or, or single wire, uh, hot wire fences, uh, easy to maintain. Cows, once they're trained to it, they don't have a problem with it. They're easy to fix. The, cat, the wildlife don't bother them, but it's, again, easy to fix. So about every 10 years, it seems like since 1983, when we built our first fence, we have almost doubled the number of paddocks we've had. And I wish I'd have known it a long time ago. We had uh, Ian Mitchell Ennis, and of course, we mm-hmm. went through the Ranching for Profit School. And I, I wish I'd have started where we, where we are now. Had I, had I known how important rest, stock density, and herd impact had uh, on grass production. We're grass producers. The cows are just a tool to harvest. That's all they are. They're just a tool to harvest. And that's the way we look at them. We look at them as they can walk off this ranch just as fast as they can walk on the ranch as far as selling them but we have to produce the grass first. So that's what we work with and that's how it's key. Mm -hmm. But we've fences and water. Anything beyond that better make a lot of good money.
0: So <laughs> Okay. Well, that's I think what we're gonna find when we talk with folks across the country that have moved migrated into into year-round type grazing. Vance Mitchell is my guest today, Mitchell Cattle Company out of Lolita, Texas, a sixth generation uh, ranch started back on the land they're in back in the eighteen seventy-six, as we said there in the first when we started our conversation with Vance. We're gonna continue on with him after this break. We've got a lot more to talk about with him as well as our other guests joining us. The Smith brothers out of northern Campbell County in northern Wyoming will be joining us here to talk about how they deal with it uh, in the northern climate. So stay with us. You're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show.
3: Don't keep your cow-calf herd data in a notebook. Keep it in the cloud with Performance Ranch and say so long to decoding handwritten notes. Performance Ranch is an easy to use app that simplifies record keeping and makes decision making easier. Keep track of herd inventory, monitor health records, and manage costs all from your iPad or iPhone. Group texting important herd data? Delete it. Use Performance Ranch instead. Go to PerformanceLivestockAnalytics.com and be the first to know when Performance Ranch is ready to launch. <laughs>
0: And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Joining me is Vance Mitchell with Mitchell Cattle Company out of Texas. And we're talking on year-round grazing. And uh, I'm going to have uh, Vance is joining us here. And then coming up later in our program, we're going to have uh, Cameron and Kellen Smith out of, the, out of uh, northern Wyoming to talk with us on more of the northern climate. But Vance, as we kind of uh, wrap up my conversation with you here today on this, you've hit some really great points from a very fundamental standpoint. Point people need to be considering if they're going to look at year-round grazing but what i want to know is you used to feed hay what yep. what really was what was the thing you said we got to do something different
1: money okay <laughs> profit uh, and time uh i don't think people realize how much cost there truly is in feeding hay i mean it, it didn't make much it, it never made much sense to me i got a range ranch management degree from AM and and all of our planning was around inputs and maximum output. Yeah. We make more money with smaller calves than we ever have. Uh, it, it just didn't, because we're not pouring the money into it, both with substitute feed, supplement feed, all the money's walking to town. We need to find a way to keep it on a ranch, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, you know, I go to these seminars and it's all about inputs, inputs, inputs. Cow needs grass and water. Mm-hmm. Well, of course we're finite, so we need some mineral. And it just it just boggled. It just drove me crazy that we couldn't do it simpler and with less effort. So I went to the ranching for profit school back in the late 80s. My whole family's been Stan Parsons is about the smartest man I've ever met. (laughs) And bless his heart, he's passed away, but we wouldn't have this place if it wasn't for him. And he turned us into this profit conscious. Look at cost. Look at the overheads. I mean, putting a bale of hay out is pretty simple. But you got to pick it up, you got to take it to a barn, you got to turn around and take it back out to the cows and and all the things that go with it. If you're baling your own hay, you've got a rake, you've got a baler. It just cows are supposed to harvest their own food. My grandfather had a had a saying, "We don't feed cows, cows feed us." Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty key. <laughs> well, I get thinking about him and my brother will tell people that all the time. "We don't feed cows, cows feed us." Actually, what feeds us is the grass we grow. And the higher, you, the better use we can make of that grass at a pointed period of time. You know, there's only two kind of animals in nature that have, they're young in the winter, bears and squirrels. <laughs> everything else does it when there's more grass. Everything else does it. Elk, deer, caribou, everything does it when there's grass on the ground. Why we force them to do it in the middle of a snowstorm or middle of a wet winter? I have no idea. So profit, that's the main driver here. Mm-hmm. Making some more money, making it easier. hmm
0: well, as you and I were talking at the break, we were talking about, are we getting everything covered here on this topic? And you've done a phenomenal job of being very concise and to the point on some really important parts that I think people really need to consider. And so as we close this up, Vance, real quick, if you were sitting across the table from somebody and you had to give them three to four things or two or three, four things and say, OK, you're wanting to consider year round grazing. Here's a list of things they should consider.
1: Sure. Evaluate your property, your resources. Determine what your true stocking rate is, okay? Once you determine your true stocking rate, analyze your country so that you can fence it correctly and give adequate amount of rest. Rest, rest, rest. That's the key to growing more grass. Even if you're feeding hay, you're still grazing. Cows aren't just eating hay, they're out grazing, but rest. And then once you determine your rest period, get your fences built, the cattle are so easy to move between paddocks. There's nothing to it. We move close to 700 head every morning. It takes us all of about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't take anything. Analyze where your production is. If your production cycle doesn't match nature to make more use of your grass when it's coming, reevaluate your, your production cycle so you can match the grass which will help you not have to have to worry about this hay and do the year round grazing. And it can be cows. It can be stalkers, It can be whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, some good advice there. And uh, in, in Vance, I think one of the things too, for folks, and, and I, I'm going to be honest with you myself as I've migrated away, I think it scares people to move this direction.
1: Uh, it shouldn't. Uh, I mean, there are too many people doing it now. Reach out, find somebody that's doing, go watch them. Go see what they're doing. Look at the possibilities. You know, if you're if you're not hauling money to the feed store or the hay or the hay guy, just that's much more money you're talking at. Find a group of people that you can consort with and get like minded with. And there are people in every part of the country and every state that are doing what 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 I'm doing. Mm -hmm. The Extension Service and the universities are finally, finally looking at this. (laughs) So, you know, it's being done. It's being done successfully. Just find those folks and, and go visit with them, and they'll be happy to share it with you. I'll be happy to share with anybody what we do. You
0: bet. Well, Vance, I'll tell you what, and I will make sure I put uh, contact information to you for folks that want to follow up and maybe want to visit with sure. you about it. Um, I even sure. if you know even if folks are in a northern climate, I still think it'd be valuable to visit with anybody that's doing it. Now there's some and you've had some great advice too that I think is adaptable no matter what. Uh, whether you're on the Canadian border up into Canada, all the way down to where you're at, which is about as far south as you can get to. So with that, I, I sure appreciate it. I think you've had some really good sound advice and uh, ways to, for folks to follow up. So Vance, I appreciate you joining us.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I want to say thanks to my brother and my mother for, for helping me along through this. We we work as a team. The families come all the way through and the kids and the grandkids are coming along. So You know, if you keep more money, you get to keep the ranch longer.
0: Yep, absolutely. Six generations. All right, Justin. You bet. Thanks, Vance.
1: Thank you. Talk to
0: you later. Well, now we're going to pivot and we're going to migrate north up into northern Wyoming, more specifically northern Campbell County, as we visit with a couple brothers that are on their family's ranching operation. Cameron Smith and Kellen Smith there in northern Campbell County on Daily Livestock, which has been in their family for, oh, my word, about 125 years, guys, if I'm not mistaken on that. So I appreciate you joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
2: Thanks for having us. Thank you.
0: Well, I want to. Uh, we'll get a little bit of a background about your your ranching operation. And I, I felt it was interesting. I know when I was visiting uh, Kellen with you, uh, and then Cameron before the is before we started on air here a little bit. Uh, it, it's interesting with your guys' as operation because so many ranches across the country uh, were very traditional in the fact that they did feed a lot of hay in their ranching operations. However, your heritage is not so much. And Cameron, I'll go with you first, and and that's something that. It's a little bit different than a lot of folks because it's about 125 years that the daily livestock's been in existence in in, in that part of the country. And really, you guys come from a background of never feeding hay.
2: Yeah. um, Grandpa never fed hay. We don't own a tractor. We don't own a baler. It's really all we know. And uh, So we are primarily a cow-calf. I mean, exclusively cow-calf enterprise right now. Um, Cows are out on pasture right now. Mm-hmm. Made it through that snowstorm last week and everyone's doing fine. So
0: yeah. Yeah, Kellen, I know when I talked to you a little bit about the same thing, you know, um, you kind of had the same answer and the fact that, you know, it's something that we never did. And I and so the first thing I I think folks are thinking about and Cameron, you talked about a little bit, you know, you made it through that pretty bad winter storm that hit uh, much of the northern part of the country uh, a week or so ago. And so, Kellen, from your experience, I know uh, both you and Cameron went down to the University of Wyoming. You have your degrees, you come back to the ranch. But in your time frame of growing up and up until now, we've had some pretty Massive snowstorms, and I know in the back of folks' minds, like, how do they get through that? How have you gotten through those things?
4: Yeah, like Cameron said, our grandpa Jim Daly, he just never did. So growing up, uh, our dad uh, run the ranch, and so we were out here with him, and they they fed some cake, and we still did uh, to our heifers coming back. But I've never seen an event that where we lost a substantial amount of cattle due to weather that the last major storm that killed cattle out here so our dad tells us would have been uh, the winter of 83 and so they're out on pasture Um, we've made some changes since we both got out of school and trying to capture the growing season a lot more but when it comes to winter we're just watching body condition and moving accordingly and uh, terrain, of course, to make sure they got some cover mm-hmm. for storms like last week where negative temperatures and thirty mile an hour winds and foot of snow mm-hmm.
0: yeah real quick uh and and Cameron I'll go back to you on this when it comes to the enterprises you say you're more mainly a cow calf operation right now uh was it ever any different before and and as you are looking in in your process of your enterprise mix now, how do you feel important it is to have the right enterprise mix when you're looking at uh, year-round grazing, and how does that affect that?
2: Yeah, I think it's very important. And, I mean, like everyone else's ranch up here, 100 years ago, we started on sheep, and Kelly and I have looked at bringing sheep back. We tried some sheep a couple of years ago, custom grazing for another guy, and it worked pretty good. And I think, yeah, I don't – I our – Terrain is what I think allows us to winter graze. I mean, the wind blew off a lot of bare spots, so cattle are up on hills right now when it's sunny out grazing. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if our enterprise mix would work if it was if we didn't have the terrain that we have. Yeah, and I think that would be important.
0: Yeah. Too. So. Uh, Kellen, I'll go back to you as, as Cameron's talking about terrain. Um, and I know that's where you guys have always been. It's very open, uh, very flat, open country uh, north of Gillette in northern Campbell County. It's just for folks that aren't aware of that area. But I know you're not far from folks that ranch in different areas. I mean, you kind of sit between the Bighorn Mountains of Wyoming and the Black Hills of South Dakota. So I know you have friends and, and, and other folks and other ranchers that ranch in those particular areas. How important do you think it is to... Also understand your enterprise mix with the type of terrain, as Cameron was mentioning.
4: I think it's very important uh, going to different continuing education deals with Cameron and our hired man. Uh, one thing that stuck sticks out to me, we went to a Jim Garrish course for a couple of days. And uh, one thing he preached is it's always easier to change your livestock than your forage base. And uh, like you said, between the Bighorns and the Black Hills here, you can drive 20 miles from my house and be in totally different terrain, uh, trees, pine trees. And then you go to the West and it's primarily uh, very steep sand banks, cedar trees. So we have a, a vast country here of creek bottoms, rolling hills, uh, steep draws and our cattle do really well here Mm -hmm. and they they always have it seems to be
2: Mm -hmm. yeah on taking care of themselves Mm -hmm. i think that's exactly right like we raise our replacements here our cows know what's here they just make it work for themselves and Mm -hmm.
0: that that's a good point cameron i want to go back to that just a little bit because even in my own experience here and i know uh you guys and myself, uh, we've kind of went through some similar uh, training in terms of looking at really penciling out whether or not to raise your replacements or not. And you hit on something that I guess in my years of experience back here, we're starting back into doing that a little bit more, mainly because of the fact that I feel like our replacements may, might do a little bit better job of understanding the terrain, the land, the the what we're going to need out of them in terms of uh, grazing. Is that been something you guys have always done is raise your replacements? and found value in that versus buying them
2: yes and so we've all been to the school and they preach probably that cow calf enterprise maybe you should look at it buying replacements but there's that huge institutional knowledge of those moms teaching those calves what to eat and Mm -hmm. and it's been successful for us so yeah yeah i don't know i we have brought in some outside cattle before and they seem to fall out faster than (laughs) Yeah. home-raised stuff.
0: Yeah, that's and that's uh, actually been my experience, too. My guest today, Cameron Smith, Kellen Smith, are with Daily Livestock out of northern Campbell County in northern Wyoming, and we're talking uh, year-round grazing. It's been an, a part of their family ranch. Uh, that family's, uh, that ranch has been in the family for hundred about 125 years, so and it's something that they've always done, so it's a little bit different perspective. When we come back, we're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about infrastructure development, because I know that's something they, that they have had to and are currently working on now to increase turnover, and increase the scope of, of what they're able to run on their ranching operation. We'll be back with more on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. Cattle producers, here's a way to put more dollars in your pocket. Put the Amifirm advantage found in all Gain Smart Mineral to work in your cow herd. Amifirm is the industry leader in increasing fiber digestion. In fact, research shows putting Amifirm to work increases forage utilization by 10%, reducing overall forage costs and allowing you to graze more animals per acre. That's a big time return on your investment. To find which Gain Smart Mineral formula is right for your heard, visit Gainsmart.com. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Our topic here today we are talking on is year-round grazing, and uh, we're having the opportunity to visit with folks in a couple different parts of the country. Our guests joining us here in this segment, as it was when we closed out here to the last segment was is Cameron and Kellen Smith as they uh, ranch in northern Campbell County, northern Wyoming. Daily Livestock is their family's ranch. It's been in their family for uh, coming on about 125 years, give or take, in there and, and a lot of great family history uh, with their particular family and how that got up and going and that would be its own show in itself. Uh, guys, I really enjoy reading about your guys' family history and that, but today we're talking year-round grazing and it was something, uh, ironically, that something your grandpa did and you continued to carry that on. But the one thing you did realize, though, is infrastructure needed a lot of help. And while uh, Grandpa had put in a lot of infrastructure, uh, things have changed a little bit in that. And so, uh, Cameron, I'll go back to you real quick here. On that infrastructure development, uh, give a little bit about what you had and what you're looking at.
2: Yes. Yeah, so in the late 70s, Grandpa and my dad, well, as my dad came back, put in miles of inch and a quarter of smaller PVC. And that's what we've been sustaining on for years now. And as Kelly and I come back and change a few management styles and tweak the grazing, we, we realized that that wasn't enough. And so we've been trying to put in some two, two inch and some bigger lines. And we bought uh frack tanks out of the oil field mm-hmm. and gravity feeding from those and those are working great actually so
0: mm-hmm. so water development was a big part let's get to another thing we can might we might circle back to water real quick kellen i want to go to you because one of the things uh, as we've t- had talked about previously was uh, it's a large ranch uh, there were a lot of very very large pastures and now that you have some water development now you're beginning to break up those pastures a little bit and i want you to talk a little bit about that
4: yeah so I don't know, what year did we go to the ranch for profit cameron 17 17, Uh, we came out of there and stuck our heads together and started thinking of uh, ways to do better out here, and since then, we've run, I don't even know how many miles, 30 miles of two-strand, high-tensile hot wire, and um, just trying to break our biggest pastures off first. There's a lot of places we we would like to get smaller, Um, just as of right now, we're breaking the biggest ones and it's made a heck of a change uh, on our cattle behavior, um, our own relationships. And the the number one thing we've run into is water. And we knew that, although it becomes more apparent when it's a hundred degrees, August 1st, and you're trying to go into smaller pastures uh, than previously, so That's where we're at right now. We're still doing some fencing each year and mainly water infrastructure to beef these up to handle substantial stocking densities Mm -hmm. during the growing season in the summer.
0: Guys, I want to ask this question because one of the things about year-round grazing that people have questions, it's really not about the spring, summer, or fall months, but it's about the the winter months and getting through those winter months now in our part of the country we typically can be uh, dealing with some snow cover so how have you managed that when folks say well how are you doing this and how what about these these cold mornings that are 22 below and we've got eight to eight to ten inches or 12 inches on the ground uh, and I'm not sure who to go to this question with and you can both can answer answer it if you want to but how have you handled that because because when we talk year-round grazing I think the real question is the winter months
2: yeah I'll, I'll take a stab at it first um so we're living off the, the back fat of our cow right now and and her body condition is dropping during the winter and we're okay with that we don't calve till may so they're really pretty easy keepers right now we had a foot of snow last week a little more than a foot of snow cows are out there they're grazing through it we'll find spots that are bared off She'll pick, start picking back up real fast as soon as that grass greens up.
0: So, so Kellen, real quick, is your numbers that you're able to to keep is it, is it less because you're year round grazing, or are you are you have you been able to to increase your amount of numbers since maybe when uh, your grandpa was running it?
4: Um, it's less as of right now, mainly due to some extreme droughts. Uh, what was it, twenty? Twenty and twenty one, we destocked, and so our goal is to continue to keep building our herd. But it's really our winter grazing. We've changed substantially from the way Grandpa did it, in the sense that he would just go pretty much to the same big pasture every year, and those cows would be there until branding. And granted, they used to calve in march and cameron and i changed that a while back but now we're hitting different spots of the ranch all different times a year Mm -hmm. and it's interesting to be able to chase that grass elsewhere and be different locations throughout the year and watching those cows go after different species of grass and locations like cameron said right now with that storm it's very interesting to watch those cows graze on top of hilltops that you never see cows on. So, yeah, they know better than us what
2: they want, <laughs> and they go after it. Mm-hmm. So, Jesse, I can
4: I add yeah, something to you that. Bet,
0: you bet, Cameron.
2: Um, since Kellen and I've changed this, the one thing we have noticed, and we've moved our calving dates back, we have 100% on pasture now, mm-hmm. and grandpa's and dad was calving in March. I mean, we used to bring them into the barns and calve them out, night calve them and everything. Just the heifers. Just the heifers. Mm -hmm. And now we're 100% on pasture, and we're still not feeding hay. So nothing's changed that way. Our numbers necessarily haven't increased yet. I think we'll get there. Mm -hmm. But that's the one big management change that we have noticed that we're able to calve 100% on pasture, no problem. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So let me get some specifics from you here real quick, because I know folks are going to, you know, what's, what do you think's average weight of your cow or your cows? Now? Yeah. 1,200. What were they back when grandpa was, was running it?
2: Dad and grandpa used to retain, send everything to the feedlot. So they were probably 1,400. No, they were
0: 1,400 plus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So on your calves, you're weaning off. Do you have, you have some percentages or numbers like that that kind of, kind of give you some, some benchmarks to go off of?
2: Yeah, we're still, we're still weaning at 200 days of 525-pound 500, calf. Okay. So we're yeah. just weaning a month or two later than we used to.
0: Sure. All right. Well, guys, I appreciate you joining us. Before we head out real quick, I'll just, you know, just uh, maybe some final comments because I know, first of all, you're, it's a little unique in the fact that this is something that your family's ranch has never really adapted or done uh, in terms of feeding hay. So you've always had that mindset of this: we're going to year-round graze. However, if you could just in, in a quick few phrases, you know what would be some some helpful advice you'd offer to folks. And and uh, Kellen, I'll go with you first.
4: Mine, I guess, is breaking the paradigm of why grandpa or dad or whoever did it that way and really question yourself um, on what you're doing, if it's worth it or not. And that was the biggest takeaway from all this new management way of thinking for us or for me personally was the paradigms. I was stuck in the rut of always thinking it had to be done this way. And it's given us the freedom after I broke that paradigm to really think outside the box and try some new things and not be worried to try new things. Mm-hmm. So
0: Cameron, your thoughts, your, if, if you could, if you were just sitting across from somebody at the table and you had to had about three minutes of their ear and they were asking about this, what would be some key points you'd, you'd, you'd advise them towards on year round grazing?
2: Try it. Watch the body condition score. You can always go back to feeding. Um, I'm a big chip Heinz fan, read his books, time to change. If one can do it, they all should be able to do it. That's kind of my motto. hmm. I mean, reading those books—that was—that is Grandpa's management style. So that's why we stopped feeding supplement to the heifers. Mm-hmm. One can do it; they all should be able to do it.
0: Okay. All right. Well, guys, I appreciate you joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
2: Thanks for having us, Justin.
0: Thanks, Justin. And again, that was Cameron and Kellen Smith. They are brothers that manage and operate uh, daily livestock in northern Campbell County. And uh, I will put in our podcast description contact information or links that you can click on to get contact information for both uh, Cameron and Kellen, as well as for Vance Mitchell, as well that joined us earlier on in the show. And, uh, And so you can visit with them. Please feel free to reach out to them as well as they welcome anybody to call them. And like Vance was saying, too. If this is something that you may be considering, there is probably somebody that's not too far from you that you can go and bend their ear just a little bit to to look at how they're doing it and see how it can work in your operation. I think some high points that I would really point out in all of this was the fact that there was a lot of infrastructure development and there was a lot of rethinking and remanagement, even for uh, the daily livestock. They moved their their calving back into um, a May calving, so there was some management techniques and management strategies that they put into place. Uh, Vance mentioned that as well that moving some of their calving around to help with that reliance on hay a bit, uh, get away from that, I should say, and those are some things that, you know, really go back and listen to some of those key points that both Vance and Cameron and Kellen talked about. Now, just something I want to throw out here for a number for consideration, and I don't say that that you have to be hitting this, I'm just going to throw this out there to see where you're at on a scale in your operation. They say that there's a benchmark number that your feed costs should be less than 16% of your gross product. So let's just say, for example, we have 100 head of cows, you sell about 95 head of calves, and you have about, let's just round it to $100,000 in gross product. Are you spending on those 100 cows, $16,000 or less in feed costs and if you are then you would be considered in the upper tier of those some of the very uh, ranches that are benchmarking on a very profitable rate and I think that was something that Vance talked about was part of the reason that they moved this direction was from a profitability standpoint And I know in talking with Cameron and Kellen, they said, Mandy, you get a lot of pushback from any of your topics on your show because we feel there's going to be pushback on this. Any discussion that they've had with folks about moving to a year round type grazing that, you know, some folks would say, well, you're hard on your on your livestock by doing that. And I guess I would throw this out. And that was part of the reason I asked this number to Cameron and Kellen is what's the weight of their cows? and what's the, the what's the weaning weight or the weight on their calves that they're selling and you can't tell me that you have an unhealthy cow if you think you're being hard on your livestock an unhealthy cow is not going to wean off a 525 pound calf at 200 days of weaning that's just not possible so as we head to break here i guess just one final thought here in, the, in this and the captain and i were talking a little bit about this subject and knowing that you know our conversation today with these two ranches uh it's not neither to condemn or condone everybody else's ranching operations how they do or don't do things it's their opinion it's it's what we're hearing from them and i encourage you if you have some concerns or you have uh some comments uh you agree or disagree let us know we want to hear from you about this as well as as it'll help us to go down the road that we feel will provide useful information to you all as uh, as the ranching industry that's out there doing it each and every day, and we know that uh, when it comes to these decisions, there's risks that you have to be fully aware of when you make management decisions, and, uh, and I encourage you to do that for your own self, and I hope if anything, our conversations and our topic here today is something that will cause folks to just step back a little bit and evaluate your own operations and make decisions accordingly. Well, stay with us. When we come back, Kellen Smith is going to join us back again as to talk a little bit about his music career and we'll hear from meteorologist don day with a look at our long-term weather we'll be back on the working ranch radio show after this
3: set up the next generation for a productive lifetime with zinpro Avela Four. achieve productive success in your cows with 20 percent increased conception rate and a 16-day tighter calving interval Calves from Cows supplemented with Zinpro hit the ground running with improved immunity and 28 more pounds at weaning. Allow your cows and calves to perform to their full potential with Zinpro Avela 4.
4: Now this cheap grass and clover is all taking over like a curse on the flames. Never get back on this time. Seems so. Oh
0: and we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch radio show yeah that's a little bit different intro music than we normally do and that uh, song is entitled "Cheatgrass Grass and Clover and here to join me on our, on the program is the singer and writer of that music Kellen Smith who was in our previous segment as well as we were talking with he and his brother Cameron on their ranching operation Daily Livestock on uh, year-round grazing and I want to get Kellen to, to hold back here a little bit and talk a little bit about your music career Kellen because I know in the last couple of years, things have kind of started to evolve a little bit more for you. You've been playing music for quite a bit, but I always find your, that your music a little interesting here because it does kind of reach back to some of the heritage that I feel that you have in your ranching heritage as well. And so my question is, is, is a lot of this music that you're singing, is this stuff that you've written?
4: Yeah. As of now, I have uh, two albums out. I just recorded a third in January and I write all my own songs and it's gotten a lot more serious the last couple of years than back when I was in college. So mm-hmm. this is the first year I've really got out of Wyoming, I guess, to play music and we'll see what happens here. Mm-hmm. I'm still tiptoeing into it. I'm not <laughs> just going gung ho, but it's been a good time. And yeah, I got quite a lineup this year, 2023. So I look forward to playing some music in some different places and I'll be releasing a new album this summer Working on that with my guys down in Texas right now over the phone. So it's sounding pretty good. I look forward to for everyone to hear it.
0: Mm -hmm. So real quick, what's the I know you said you've released a couple albums. What's the the biggest song right now that's had the most response from folks listening?
4: Oh, uh, it's called Pine Box Gym. Mm -hmm. It's on my second album, Rancher Blues, and you can listen to it on all streaming platforms.
0: And, so, and I know the video is on your website, right? Yep. KellenSmithMusic.com is your website?
4: Yep, we shot a music video for that and for uh, Cheatgrass and Clover.
0: And so, as we said, uh, com is the website, and you said they can also download it on all the different platforms as well?
4: Yep, Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes. Napster, LimeWire. All right,
0: (laughs) (laughs) anywhere you stream your music, it it should be on there. All right. Well, when we go out of break here, we will. uh, I'm going to play. I'm going to play one of them as we go out of break here, if that's okay. Yes, sir. All right. Well, Kellen, thanks for joining us here. Thank you, Justin. And again, that was Kellen Smith. I encourage you to go out and check his music out if you like for yourself, kellensmithmusic.com. Kellen is spelled with an E on both ends there. And uh, you can find more about his music there. And also, as he said, you can find it on a lot of the different streaming platforms as well. I know there's a lot of good musicians out there and I'd not necessarily give preferential treatment over one than the other, but I did have Kellen on the phone here to talk a little bit about their, their, their ranching operation in regards to our featured topic here today. So I thought it'd be good to just uh, pull him to the side and talk a little bit about his music as well encourage you to check it out well let's turn now to what we normally have in this segment as we take a look at our long-term weather today brought to you by indovac beef indovac offering protection against pasturella manhemia e coli and salmonella it is paired with an immunostimulant called immune plus that boosts the animal's overall immune system for more information visit indovacbeef.com or you can contact your local indovac representative today and joining us now with with that look at our long-term weather is meteorologist don day and uh donna we, we were joking here a little bit before we were went on air a bit about march at least for us here uh, where i'm at kind of came in like a lamb but uh that may not be the case for certain parts of the country and i feel like this weather and and as it much is it's kind of a wave pattern and we've got us a few nice days and then we got some winter and you say march has has uh, 31 days and we're gonna have a lot of winter still
5: yeah i mean uh look at all the winter we packed in for a lot of folks in in the 28 days of february that's for sure i mean it really depends on on where you are i mean Mm -hmm. there are some people who are so tired of winter and then there's some people (laughs) who said we haven't had winter and then we have a lot of people who are somewhere in between because it really has been a winter uh where it depends on what region you're in Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of how the winter has gone for you. I mean, if you live in the mountains of of California, you are begging for the (laughs) snow to stop. People are begging me in Arizona for the snow to stop. I mean, I was getting videos of snow in North Tucson last night. Um, and then you got people in the southeast who are in the eighty degree ranges over the last couple of weeks or so, so it 's been a wide variety, but we all know that march is 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 a roller coaster month. Mm-hmm. You can have some pretty wild swings and i I think for a lot of the country in the month of march there 's going to be these swings, mm-hmm. and these swings are going to bring a wide variety of weather. Um, I think there 's plenty of opportunity for folks to who haven't seen a lot of snow to see some and folks who are tired of the snow, you're going to get more.
0: Well, it is March. And and as we've said before, the cooler weather usually brings moisture. And as droughty as a lot of folks, a lot of folks have been over the last couple of years, we just kind of have to take the uh, tail with the height on this deal.
5: Well, exactly. And in, we talked last week about, you know, will the Southern Plains get into the action? Well, I do think that's going to be part of the equation as well. The later we get into March and, and into April, I mean, we did see a little bit early this week in the southern plains but it's been the eastern areas of the southern plains that have been getting wet but when you start to get rid of a drought if you were to look at how droughts end they they first of all break apart into islands and then you tend to see um the last vestiges of drought hold on strongly in one particular area before finally fading away and it looks like that'll be the southern plains i mean the most recent drought monitor shows big improvements uh, in, in many parts of the uh, Intermountain West over the last couple of weeks. Um, but we've still got Kansas and Oklahoma and the, the Texas and Oklahoma panhandle areas and parts of Nebraska still and northwest Iowa that kind of seem to be uh, uh, always kind of the bridesmaid, and not the bride. But, <laughs> but I do think, I do think uh, over time, as we go deeper into spring, those areas will start to get into the action.
0: All right. Well, Don, appreciate you joining us here today with a look at our long-term weather. sir. Again, that was meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. His website can be found at dayweather.com. And from there, you can also find a link to his daily video podcast that he kicks out every Monday through Friday morning. Our weather today brought to you by Indivac Beef. Now, if you're looking to improve your herd health and your bottom line, Indivac Beef is the vaccine you're looking for. Indivac offers protection against pasturella, manhemia, E. coli, and salmonella. To find out more, go to the website at indivacbeef.com or contact your local Indivac representative today. Well, stay with us. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about what's in store for next week's edition of the Working Ranch Radio Show. And as we head into break, we're going to play out a little bit more of Kellen Smith's music, this one entitled Pine Box Jim. Take a listen. We'll be back after this. Jim lives in the pines of eastern Alabama. Makes a
4: living building caskets for the dead men. Up next, whose last breath nobody knows. All that's known is where all Jim's caskets go. And each plain stroke and each stain soap, Jim takes his time
0: knowing. Well, coming up on next week's edition of the Working Ranch Radio Show, we're going to continue down this road of year-round grazing, and author, speaker, and consultant Jim Garrish will be joining us. He wrote the book Kick the Hay Habit, so he will be our guest next week. A quick thank you to our guest this week, Vance Mitchell with Mitchell Cattle Company out of Lolita, Texas. Also, brothers Cameron and Kellen Smith out of Daily Livestock in northern Wyoming. And uh, just a quick also mention here, Music.com is where you can go and find some of that music that we played here today as well. Thank you to the American Cementol Association, Heterosis Works, which is why with Cementol, it's more per head, period. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. If you like the program today, let us know. Give us an email at uh, justin.workingranch@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.